Let us open our Bibles to Psalm 130. Psalm 130. We are told to worship the Lord with psalms and with hymns and with spiritual songs. And so we turn to this psalm to include this in our worship this morning. These eight verses in Psalm 130 are describing David or the psalmist, whoever he might be. We know it's inspired by God, so these are the words of God from a man's soul. And rather than asking for deliverance and expressing his hope in being saved from some natural calamity or captivity or difficulty, this is a man who is under great conviction for his sins. And he is calling upon the Lord and waiting on the Lord and hoping in the Lord's mercy for his forgiveness. You'll see that as we read through it. And when we're finished, I'll briefly comment on the psalm. Let's stand together and read Psalm 130 in unison. Together. Out of the depths have I cried unto thee, O Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let thine ears be attentive to the voice of my supplications. If thou, Lord, shouldest mark iniquities, O Lord, who shall stand? But there is forgiveness with thee, that thou mayest be feared. I wait for the Lord. My soul doth wait. And in his word do I hope. My soul waiteth for the Lord more than they that watch for the morning. I say, more than they that watch for the morning. Let Israel hope in the Lord. For with the Lord there is mercy, and with him is plenteous redemption. And he shall redeem Israel from all his iniquities. Amen. And amen. Amen. You may be seated. We thank the Lord of heaven and earth for the 130th Psalm. There is a division between the fourth and the fifth verses. In the first four verses, David speaks in the second person to the Lord, calling and speaking to him directly. And in verses five through eight, he speaks about the Lord in the third person as he exhorts his brethren and companions, as he exhorts Israel to follow his example of trusting in the Lord. The difficulty that David is in is his iniquities. We know that from the third verse and the eighth verse. He doesn't mention anything about captivity or being in Babylon or being among the Philistines, chased there by his nemesis, King Saul. He mentions his sins. And he mentions the mercy of God in forgiving him. And he mentions that forgiveness in the fourth verse. So in verse 1, when it says, out of the depths, we don't believe it's Jonah in the whale's belly. It's not Jacob in the depths of Egypt. It's David or the psalmist in the depths of his conscience, convicting him for the guilt of his sins. And out of those depths, the depths of his soul, under the burden of sin, have I cried unto thee, O Lord, and that is the only place to cry. When you are guilty of sin, and every one of you is guilty of sin, and so we all should be calling 
upon the name of the Lord and crying unto him. His prayer is in verse 2 for the Lord to be attentive to the voice of his supplications because he's begging for mercy. In the third verse, he reminds the Lord that if the Lord were to deal with David or the psalmist in pure justice, in pure holiness, in pure righteousness, no man can stand. And so there must be an exercise of other character traits on the part of God than pure justice. Listen to the words. If thou, Lord, shouldest mark iniquities, O Lord, who shall stand? The rhetorical question is answered, no one should stand. No one could stand if the Lord were to mark iniquities and leave them marked upon us. But there is forgiveness with thee. And what a disjunctive that but provides for verse 4. There is forgiveness with thee that thou mayest be feared. And this fear is the godly fear of running to the Lord for forgiveness, not running from Him out of paranoia or terror. This is running to Him because it is fear based on forgiveness, not fear based on punishment, but fear based on forgiveness. And so we conclude the first half as David speaks to the Lord. He's cried unto Him. He's making his supplication to God. He reminds the Lord that if you deal with me in strict justice, I don't have a chance. But I know there's something else with you. I know that God is love, and I know that God forgives, and I know that there is mercy with you. And in that hope, I fear you. And I'm thankful for the further knowledge about the character of God. So we come to verse 5, and he speaks to his brethren. And so he speaks to you and me today. I wait for the Lord. My soul doth wait, and in his word do I hope. That waiting is not a waiting that is hopeless, as the rest of the verse goes on to say. That waiting is not, maybe God will forgive me. That waiting is, I know God will forgive me, and I'm waiting For him to totally forgive me and restore the fellowship that we have had at other times. I wait for the full measure of that forgiveness to flood my soul. As I cry out of the depths to the Lord and beg him to forgive me, I'm waiting for that full redemption, that full forgiveness to flood my soul. Because the Lord is able to give that, and he does give that when we cry in the spirit of this psalm. I wait for the Lord, my soul doth wait for that mercy. And in his word do I hope. Our faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Our waiting and our hope depends upon learning and remembering the promises of Scripture. And the promises of Scripture are wonderful. And the declarations of those promises are wonderful. And in germ form, they're in Romans 1, 16 and 17. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. There is righteousness that God is able to clothe a crying sinner with, and it is the righteousness of Jesus Christ. He has chosen to clothe us with that from the foundation of the world. 
But when He tells us and comforts us with the knowledge of that in our hearts, it is what David was waiting for and is what causes us to rejoice. That's why, how beautiful are the feet of them that publish peace, that declare good tidings of good things, that publish salvation, because it is hearing the message of the forgiveness of sins that causes our hearts to rejoice. This is David's waiting in verse 5. How much is he waiting for this forgiveness, this practical aspect of forgiveness, and his final phase of forgiveness? How serious did he wait for it, and how important was it to him? The sixth verse describes it as one who is afraid during the night and is waiting for the sun to rise to deliver them from the danger that can lurk in darkness. My soul waiteth for the Lord more than they that watch for the morning. I say more than they that watch for the morning. If, if a man is on guard for a city, if a watchman is trying to watch in the dark and they do not have night vision goggles and they do not have heat seeking vision equipment, they must wait for the morning to be delivered from the fear of the things they cannot see. And it is a great fear, and it is a great desire for that morning hour to arise when the sun will drive away all the darkness and relieve the watchman's fears. And David said, more than that, I'm waiting on the Lord to relieve me of my guilty conscience about my sins and to show me His forgiveness and to fill my soul with it. Verse 7, let Israel hope in the Lord. This is David taking his personal relationship with God and transporting it to his congregation. Let Israel hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is mercy, and with Him is plenteous redemption. If you don't know what I'm talking about, let me elaborate further using your memory of Psalm 51. In Psalm 51, David confesses his sin of adultery with Bathsheba and the murder of her husband, Uriah the Hittite. In that psalm, he says God has broken his bones. In that psalm, he says the joy of God's salvation had been taken from him. And he is praying for the joy of that salvation to be restored to him. It is the life of a Christian to have that fullness of joy and to have that joy dulled. You dull that joy by sin and by grieving and quenching the Holy Spirit that is the source of joy in a Christian's life. And so here, David is crying unto the Lord to get that joy back. That full knowledge that God has forgiven him. To cry, as it were, again, Abba, Father. Let Israel hope in the Lord. For with the Lord there is mercy, and with him is plenteous redemption. There's plenty. We sing a song that there's plenty of it to cover all my sin. There's plenty of redeeming power in Jesus Christ to pay for all sins. And he shall redeem Israel from all his iniquities. Israel, hope in the Lord. Each of you this morning under the sound of my voice and any that hear it later, hear the words of the Lord and let your hope be in his word as David said his hope was. The word is, there is plenteous redemption with the Lord and he shall redeem Israel from all their sins. There is no sin too great. There is no sin committed too many times. He is able and willing and he does redeem us from all our iniquities. Let Israel hope in the Lord. Brethren, 
without God's merciful forgiveness, which is through the Lord Jesus Christ as our substitute, we would have iniquities marked against us and none of us could or would stand. We are a damned and doomed race and justifiably so. We are under the damnation of God's holy law and his claims against our soul. But there is mercy and forgiveness with him and it is plenteous. Let Israel hope. And that isn't a maybe type hope. That is a certain expectation of forgiveness. Let us hope in the Lord. And that is what Romans chapter 1 and 3 and 4 and 5 and 6 and 7 and 8 and 9 and 10 and 11 are all about. The hope that we have through the salvation provided in the Lord Jesus Christ. There isn't any hope in chapter 2. And there isn't much hope in the second half of chapter 1. And there isn't much hope in the first half of chapter 3. But there's much hope in the book of Romans. And it's right here in germ form. Lord, if thou shouldest mark iniquities, who shall stand? But there is forgiveness with thee that thou mayest be feared. Let Israel hope in the Lord. For with the Lord there is plenteous redemption. And he shall redeem Israel from all their sins. And without that redemption, he will tear you body, soul, and spirit asunder and subject you to torments in body, soul, and spirit that you can't even imagine nor have ever been written about except in the pages of Holy Scripture. Right. We need a Savior this day, and we have a Savior, and let Israel rejoice in their Savior. Amen. Praise be his, to his glorious name. Amen.